0: Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Well, this is a dream for me, getting to talk about the next generation coming. It is a dream for me because my heart bleeds out for our kids. Really, truly, when I'm saying kids, I'm talking about kids of every age. I'm not just talking about teenagers, and I'm not just talking about five-year-olds or 10-year-olds. I'm talking about everybody in this next generation, you know, one-year-old to college age. So what I see is an absolute war for their minds. And the number one thing we've heard from all of you, when you've read Get Out of Your Head, when you've heard me speak about it, when you've listened to the podcast about it, the number one question, and it's said with a lot of pain and a lot of concern, is what about our kids? And I know some of you are here because you're a teacher. Some of you are here because you're a youth worker. Some of you are here because you have a few girls you'd like to disciple and you're curious about the next generation. And then some of you are here because your parents, no matter where you're coming from, we all can agree there is a war for not only our own minds, but especially for this generation coming. Now, the interesting thing about this generation coming is they don't argue it, they don't wonder if they are under attack, they know it, they feel it, because either they feel it in themselves or they see it in their friends. And starting at a pretty young age, they're pretty aware that their minds are under attack. And that comes from largely a more open communication style around anxiety, depression, fears, worries, and they're expressing those to each other. And then also they're under a lot of pressure. And I think that pressure is beyond anything we really can imagine, those of us that grew up at a different time. And a lot of that I think is played out with the internet. I think we are built to have a capacity to care for a certain number of people and a certain number of problems. We're not built well as humans to care for the concerns of the entire world. And so for a kid growing up with a cell phone, they're made aware of world problems, city problems and neighborhood problems and school problems on the regular, as well as the family problems they carry from home and just the pressures they feel for themselves at school. But what they're constantly seeing and hearing is the lives of, you know, depending on how many kids your kids follow, hundreds, even thousands of other people. So they're carrying a lot of pressure and they're carrying a lot of people's opinions and a lot of people's burdens. So what I want to talk about today is what it looks like to fight for our kids, to fight for this generation, because that's what it's going to take from us. We have to treat this so seriously. We have to get our game on and we have to be zealots for our kids' minds. We cannot passively expect our kids to be healthy. We have to realize they're under attack every single day, in every single direction they are being attacked. From... Pressure to measure up to get into a certain school if they're a teenager, to pressure to have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend, to the way they look, to carry the pressure of trying to be cool and fit in. I mean, I watched that start around second, third grade. So there's just constant pressure. And the kids are supposed to be kids in those years. And it's, it's sad that that's the reality, but it is the reality. And so we've got to start to treat this with just extraordinary conviction that we are the ones to help our kids, that someone else isn't going to do it, that we have to take responsibility for the kids in our lives, wherever they've come from, however they've gotten there, our nieces, our nephews, our own kids, you know, students in our classroom, whoever it is that we know that we love, that we can wrap our arms around. Those are our people and we've got to fight for them. Some of the best parenting advice Zach and I ever heard was from our friends Rick and Judy Taylor. And they told us, you parent with the end in mind. That what we do when we release our kids into the world and who they become and who they are, we're going to make decisions as we go with that end in mind. We're going to picture releasing them into the world and who we want them to be. And as we're going, we're going to help instill those things in them. And how would that change the way we parent? And I'll tell you how it's changed the way we parent. I recently posted on Instagram about the things we care about and the things we don't. And I want to read that here because I think it's super freeing. I think people laughed about it and they had different lists. You know, some of you might have different lists for your students or your kids. And so I, I think there's grace for what your list is. But let me read to you ours. Things we never took too seriously. Eating vegetables, making beds, being invited to stuff, being the best, bedtimes, mistakes, grades, routines, expectations. But things we have taken seriously, confession, respect, liking each other, loving Jesus, dreams, stewardship, fun, self-control, and, and Shark Tank was the last one. <laughs> because, you know, we watch a lot of Shark Tank around here and we are all wired to be entrepreneurs, even all of our kids. So we dream a lot of Shark Tank around here. And I wrote this, I'm a great mom, but I'm not great at everything. Know your non-negotiables and let a lot else go. And I think that's how we've got to approach this is we have to take some things very seriously. I'm not saying abdicate your role. I'm not saying live and let live with your kids. They need structure. They need a plan. They need to know what it looks like to be a thriving adult. And some of those expectations matter. And we can't just say, oh, we're not going to have any expectations on you. No, expectations are a good thing. They're a gift. They're a protective gift. But when there's too many expectations – When we aren't thinking about the end, but we're actually thinking about the immediate things like being included in things and being great at every sport and making great grades and, you know, being liked by everybody. When we put unrealistic expectations on our kids and we start to take everything seriously, I think that's where we lose them is they don't know what it means to win. And maybe what you value as a win is totally different than my list. And that's okay. I'm not saying that's the right list. You just have to decide what kind of human are you raising and who do you want them to be in the world? Not what college do you want them to get into, not what job do you want them to have, not what person do you want them to marry or type of person, but who do you want them to be? Who are you launching? And for me, it's always been as simple as I want them to know that they are liked by God. I want them to know that they're liked by us, and I want them to like us, and I want them to like God. And after that, We've got a lot of negotiables, but those are the non-negotiables. I want our family to like each other, and I want our family to like God and to know that God likes them. Those are kind of our staples in life. When I think of the end of launching my next two kids, because two now I've launched, I've got an 18-year-old headed to college soon, and a 20-year-old that's in college. And I would say of those two kids, we've got that down. Now the other two, we're in process. Not every day of their lives do they like us, and nor should they. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying at the end, when we're sending them off into the world, we want them to know we liked them, that we delighted over them, that we smiled at them more than we scowled at them, that we celebrated them more than we you know, were disappointed in them. It's not that we never are disappointed or we never scowl. It's that the large majority of our home functioning is around delight and around enjoyment and enjoying each other. And that goes a long way into adulthood when when kids know that they're not just loved, but they're also liked. We all desire that. We want to be the apple of somebody's eye. We don't want to just have forced love over our lives. We want relational love. We want somebody saying, you're awesome. Not just you as my kid because you're my kid, but I like you because you are you. And that kind of relationship, that kind of you know, having fun together and smiling at each other across a room because you just know I'm liked by my parent and my parent likes me. I think that safety goes a long way to the other things we hope our kids are in the world, but we're just not setting those as primary. And one big reason we don't do that is because every kid's different. Today is a very big day for me. I get to tell you a story that has been growing and in the making for over 15 years. My kids were five, three, and I had a newborn baby when I had a vision to create a resource for parents that could help us give our little kids a big view of God. My seminary days were in the midst of young kids and I would go to class and I would learn all of this theology that was absolutely changing my life. It was helping me understand God in some ways for the first time. I had grown up in the church and yet the things I was learning were blowing my mind and I wanted nothing more than to give my kids from a very young age a huge faith, a deep appreciation and love for the depth and beauty and mystery of God. There's so much to know about God. And yet we've relegated him for kids to stories and vegetables and all these things that are good, but they're not God. They're not who he is in his core and essence and what he wants for them. My dream was to build tools and books and resources that would capture kids' imaginations and cause them to want God from such a young age and cause them to have a proper view of him and his love for them. So finally, after 15 years, it's time. We are launching Theology, giving little kids a big God. So here's what you need to do. If you want to be a part of this, go to Theology, T H E O L A B Y. That's T H E O L A B Y.com. And there you're going to be able to put in your email. June 2020, Theology is coming your way. We are so excited about it, and we want you to go on this adventure with us. I want to take a look at a verse that if you've read the book or if you've heard me talk about get out of your head much, you know this is really the premise for the whole book. But it's in 2 Corinthians 10, and it's where the verse, Take every thought captive is found. But I want to look at this again in light of our kids. If you've even heard me talk about it, stick with me because this is how we're going to apply it to our kids. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. And I think this verse specifically is important when you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about the kids that you lead in church or, or school or whatever context you are around kids, nieces, nephews, whatever. What I would say about this verse is you've got to look at them as someone under attack, someone that the enemy is fighting for. And when you do that, what's going to change about your reactions to them and their behaviors is that you're going to fight back rather than see them as the enemy or be frustrated with them as humans. You're going to see them being fought for and you're going to fight back. And I go back to Ephesians in this as well, where Paul says, Hey, we're not fighting flesh and bone here, we're fighting spirit and principalities, dark cosmic powers, he says. So remember, like we're not fighting our kids, no matter what their behavior looks like, no matter how they're behaving or treating you, we're fighting the enemy who's fighting for them. Paul loves to remind us of that. And then the next verse says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy strongholds in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and every thought we take captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, how do we apply this to our kids? Well, first and foremost, we've got to remember that the enemy is real and the enemy is after our kids because they are so vulnerable. And I believe they're dangerous for the kingdom, right? They're, they're so powerful because they have big faiths, the capacity for that. And they are in their purest form, like they just want to obey God, a lot of them. And the ones that don't, if you're working with kids that are just purely rebellious to it, they're going to get to the end of that. And then they're going to hope that God is still there. God is with them and for them because the road to sin and death is is lonely and dark. and, And just like the prodigal son, they're going to get to the end of that eventually. And we want to show them that God will be there at the end. And so next, we know the enemy's real. Number two that we have weapons of warfare. So don't just let your kids get sucked into whatever it is that is discouraging them, causing fear, causing depression, causing anxiety. You fight for them, whether that's medicine or counseling or watching their inputs, protecting them from social media. That's such a big one that is causing this in their lives. You know, being the parent and really stepping up and setting good boundaries and limitations in their lives or whether that's just getting them to open up and talk and confess. Confession is one of the healthiest things they can do, and how much better for them to confess to you than somebody random that doesn't have the tools to help them. So fight for that too, just the safety. And what that looks like for me in my life with my kids is I have continually told them there are certain times set apart that they will not get in trouble for whatever it is they say. If my sense or gut is that they are ashamed or they've got something on their mind that they're not telling, Then I'll build a really safe space where they can say, hey, you can tell me anything that you need to tell me right now and you're not going to get in trouble. Like this is just a super safe place. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to walk through this together or that we're not going to eventually have consequences if if it continues, but we've got to build spaces where our kids are safe enough to confess. And so that's one way we do it around our house. But the bottom line is, guys, and this is what I want you to hear me say is we have to be zealots for our kids. We have to be zealots for the next generation. We have to see them. We have to look them in the eyes. They have to know we care and that they're loved unconditionally. They have to know that we are safe places to share the hardest parts and the hardest things and that we are also advocates for them, that we're going to get them the help they need and we're going to be there to support them through whatever process it is of healing Do you know how many parents that I've talked to or that I know secondhand that have lost a child to suicide that would say, I had no idea. And I think that is because our kids are hiding from us. And the more we can do to fight for them to quit hiding from us, the more we can help them, the more we can be on their team. Every human needs a team. Every human needs a team. They need a team of people that are for them, that are listeners, that are advocates, that believe in them. And we can help create that and be that for not all the kids in the world, but a few of them. And so pick your people, pick your kids, love on them, be there for them, fight for them. And many times, It will be the parents and many times it will be not the parents. It will be somebody else that is investing in their lives. So whichever category you fall in, own that small group of kids and say, I'm your person and I'm here to help. I would also add, Get Out of Your Head, We Have Seen It Be Effective, the book for 12 and up. So if you have a teenager or a preteen that you think might be ready to kind of engage this with you. I would encourage you to get the book for them and then get the book for yourself. And the two of you or the four of you or whatever your size of your group is, go through it together and talk about these principles because they're really simple. This isn't rocket science. Like This is simple truth that can hopefully help your teenagers get out of their head and hopefully trust Christ in a deeper way. If you're wondering where to even start with these conversations with the kids in your life, we made a free tool for you to do just that. If you go to jennyallen.com, drop your email in, you can get the free Get Out of Your Head Kids Toolkit. It has every free guide we've made all along the Get Out of Your Head journey, like Anxious Thoughts Guide, the Mind Map, some Convo Cars, and we've boiled them down and made them for kids. So go to JennyAllen.com, drop your email in, and you can download that today.